0: Greetings, everybody. You're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast. I'm your host, Liam Douglas, and this is episode 101. I want to take a moment right now to thank all of my listeners for subscribing, rating, and reviewing an Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you might be getting your podcasts. So for this week's episode, I wanted to talk a bit about lens filters and what they're used for. Now, many landscape photographers like to use lens filters to create more stunning images. With a gradient filter, for example, you can punch up the sky to make it more appealing and give your images more color and personality. Now there are also neutral density filters, which allow you to capture daytime long exposures. Now I know you're probably thinking, why in the world would I want to shoot daytime long exposures? Well, one of the things that you can accomplish with a daytime-long exposure is making a fairly still body of water look like a sheet of glass or ice, even on a windy day. If you love to capture waterfalls, you can use an ND filter to make the water look like mist or cotton candy instead of running water. Now, what exactly is an ND filter? Well, in simple terms, an ND filter is kind of like sunglasses for your camera lens. Basically, an ND filter can reduce the amount of light that gets to your camera sensor. Now, you can buy fixed ND filters that are anywhere from 2 to 10 stops of light reduction, or you can optionally buy what's called a variable ND filter, which allows you to switch between three and a maximum of 10 stops of light reduction. Now, the way the filters work is they screw into that small area of threads on the front of your lens around the front lens element. If you look at any of your lenses, you'll see that there are some uh, filtered uh, threads there um, in metal generally, unless it's a really inexpensive lens and it could be a plastic barrel. Um, But those threads are so that you can screw a filter onto the front of your lens, unless, of course, it's a fisheye lens or an insanely ultra-wide lens that has like a bubbled glass front element. Then, of course, you're not going to be able to do that. Now, one of the things that I caution when it comes to variable ND filters is there are a lot of crappy quality ones on the market. Tiffin makes a bunch of different uh, neutral density filters, uh, variable ones, but they seem to be very low quality. I tried one myself a number of years back, and even though it was a $100 variable 2-10 to stop ND filter, it created nasty blue and purple hazing on all of the images I used it with. Now, of course, there are higher quality ones like Polar Pro, but they're not cheap at $250. If you're going to buy an expensive one like a Polar Pro, I would recommend that you buy it in a larger size, which would be enough to cover, say, the front element of your biggest lens, possibly an 82mm or 87 millimeter, something like that, and then you can buy inexpensive step-down rings to use with your smaller lenses. Now, the nice thing is the step-down rings are fairly basic. All they are is a step-down adapter. So you could take, uh, let's say you buy your Polar Pro in an 82-millimeter size and you want to use it on one of your lenses that has a 58 millimeter filter thread on the front of it you would use the step down ring to go from 82 millimeters down to 58 millimeters so that way even though the filter is considerably larger than the front element of your lens you would still be able to screw it on snug to the front of that lens barrel Now, photographers need to understand that lens filters are not someplace where you should go really low budget. Uh, That statement applies to most photography gear, but the moment you put a really cheap filter on the end of your lens, it doesn't matter the quality of your lens. Cheap filters will reduce your image quality significantly. Look for lens filters that are made of glass, not resin, and Scott B270 is the common glass used by good filters, and nearly all quality filter company manu- or manufacturers use that same source of glass from the same manufacturer. Now, there are also companies that are starting to put out filters made by Corning's, uh, made of Corning's Gorilla Glass, which makes them even sturdier and a lot more durable when you're out in the field. We hope you're enjoying this episode of the Liam Photography Podcast. You can visit the homepage for the show at liamphotographypodcast.com for show notes and links. You can call or text the show at 470-294-8191 with questions, comments, or requests for future episodes. If you prefer not to call or text, you can email the show at liam at liamphotographypodcast.com. Also, check out the Liam Photography Podcast Facebook group, And you can find us on Twitter at LiamPhotoATL. On Twitter, you can tweet the show. Just insert the hashtag LiamPhotoPodcast. And now, back to the show. All right, and we're back now. Speaking of sturdiness, even the Scott B270 glass is fairly rugged. Now, I've dropped my square filters that are made from this glass a few times, and they have proven to be very shatter and scratch resistant. Now, I'm not saying it's not possible for them to shatter if you drop them enough times or if you drop them on concrete, but so far I've been fairly lucky about that and. That's made me quite happy that I didn't have to buy a whole another filter to replace one that my clumsy self dropped and busted all over the ground. Now, as far as good brands of filters, there's quite a few quality manufacturers of lens filters, ND filters and both circular polarizing filters. And I'll give you a few of them in this episode. You have Nisi, you have Case, which is K-A-S-E. You have Hadaya, which is H-A-I-D-A. You have Breakthrough Photography, which is a more recent company that makes really high quality filters. You have Tech. You have H-N-Y. You've got Lee, Hoya, and then of course, Koken. Now, you should plan to spend somewhere between $200 and $700 on a filter system that would include a circular polarizing or CPL filter, a a three-stop ND, and let's say maybe a six-stop ND, although I personally like on the high side to have a 10-stop, just in case. I like to have that extra light reduction capability. I can always use a longer shutter speed to compensate for it on the camera side. Now, I have also found a less expensive option that seems to work well if you want to use the glass plate style uh, filter system, similar to the, the Koken and the Lee, and it was one that I bought a number of years back on Amazon. I bought it probably three or four years ago, and it was a kit that cost me around a $100. And it was called the Rangers 12-piece Solid ND Plus Color Filter Kit. Now, this kit contained an ND 2-stop, 4-stop, 8-stop, and 16-stop. And then it also had red, green, blue, yellow, brown, orange, purple, and pink filters. Um, to use to change the color of your sky or the look of the light as you are shooting. And it also came with nine filter adapter rings from 49 to 82 millimeters. And the whole thing came in a really nice carrying pouch. Now, it is not currently available on Amazon, but you could probably find something similar if you do a little bit of Google searching. Uh, what this system does is instead of having a round filter that screws onto the front of your lens, it has a plastic frame that screws onto the or into the filter threads and then the frame has three to four slots that will hard hold large rectangle plates of glass in front of your lens. Now the nice thing about a kit like this or the Koken is the step down rings come with the kit so, you're all set there. As I mentioned a moment ago, mine came with nine step down rings. So it covers all of my lenses from 49 to 82 millimeters, which is every lens I have. And that was really handy and convenient. Now, the current variable ND filter that I have and use is um, made by Canon, and it was made specifically for the EOS R and RP, and now, of course, the R5 and 6 Now, what this one is, is it is actually a special EF to RF adapter. That allows me to use EF lenses on my Canon EOS R or RP, and it has the ability to insert a filter cartridge in the side of this adapter mount. So, it's nice because you're actually putting the the filter where the rear element of your lens is, so it doesn't matter how large your front element is. One Neutral density filter or circular polarizing filter is going to cover every EF mount lens that you have because all EF mount lenses are the same diameter on the rear end of the lens barrel. So the nice thing about that is is you put this adapter ring on your EOS R or RP or R5 or R6 or the RA, whatever you want to use. And then you mount your EF lens on the front side of this lens adapter, whether it's a Canon lens, it could be a Sigma, Tamron, Lens Baby, whatever the case may be. And then it has, like I said, a slot in the side of the adapter that allows you to insert your variable ND filter or your circular polarizing filter. I call them a cartridge because that's basically what they're like. Now, I also like the fact that on the Canon variable ND filter that's part of this kit is it has a little wheel that you turn on the corner of the cartridge that varies the amount of neutral density, how many stops of light you're applying. And on a lot of the round ones that just screw into the front of your lens element, you actually turn the outside of the metal ring to adjust the level of neutral density. Some of those work better than others, but I've never been a big fan of that style of variable ND filter. So I really like the way Canon designed theirs a whole heck of a lot better. And that's the one that I prefer to use, especially if I want to use one of my EF mount lenses. Now, if you do happen to have one of the Canon EOS RF bodies, whether it's the R, the RP, the R5, the R6, or the RA, You can buy this adapter as a kit for around $500. You'll get the adapter ring and you'll get either the neutral variable neutral density filter or the drop in circular polarizing filter, uh, depending on which one you choose at checkout. And then you can always buy the other filter separately. And the price can fluctuate a little bit, but generally if you buy the adapter ring with the drop-in polarizing filter and then you later want to add the variable neutral density filter, you're going to pay about $350 just for the variable ND filter cartridge. That goes into that adapter ring. And then if you get yours with the variable neutral density and you want the circular polarizing filter cartridge, you'll pay about $258 for that one separately. So you're still talking about a considerable amount of money, but the, like I said, the nice thing to keep in mind with this Canon design system is it's made by Canon, also makes your camera, and it's a convenient system because your filter goes behind your lens inside the adapter ring, so one set of lenses is going to, or one set of filters is going to cover every lens that you own because they're all the same size on the bayonet end of the lens where they attach to the camera or to the EF to RF adapter so that's a really convenient thing and that's why I really like using that system it's just extremely handy extremely compact and it's really quick and easy to pop out the neutral density cartridge and pop in the circular polarizing cartridge and go on about shooting with pretty much no disruption to my my shooting uh, style or technique or, or what I'm trying to capture Now. As you heard me mention a minute ago, circular polarizing filters. Well, what is a circular polarizing filter? Now, a circular polarizing filter is handy to have when you want to shoot through glass without a reflection in your images. So let's say maybe because I live in the Atlanta area, I want to go to the Georgia Aquarium and take one of my cameras with me and I want to capture some of the beautiful and colorful fish as they're swimming around in their massive tank habitats. Um, I can put my camera up to the, the glass that you observe them through and i can snap images and with my circular polarizing filter i don't have to worry about the glass reflecting into my images which is handy especially if you've ever tried shooting through glass without a circular polarizing filter Uh, you'll get really frustrated when you see what your images look like and all the light glaring and everything else that goes on from the reflective properties of the glass now, another nice thing that a circular polarizing filter can do is it can actually remove errant light from your images. So, let's say you're out uh, taking pictures on a really sunny summer afternoon or something like that. If you have a circular polarizing filter on your lens, and these do generally turn to adjust, like the variable ND filters, the standard type ones, As you adjust it, you will see that any lens flaring and ghosting from the sunlight will be reduced or completely eliminated. Now, whether or not it'll take out all lens flaring or ghosting from the sun on a really bright day is probably going to depend on the quality of the circular polarizing filter that you're using. So, keep that in mind. I'm not going to promise you that it'll totally get rid of all lens flaring. Some people claim it does, And other people claim it doesn't, but I have a feeling, again, like I mentioned a moment ago, that it might all depend on the quality of the circular polarizing filter that you're using. Now, the last filter that I wanted to touch on today, or last couple of filters, are UV filters and clear filters. Now, what is a UV filter? Well, the best way to think of a UV filter is it's kind of like that sun strip that's in the top of the windshield in your car or truck. Um, In your vehicle, it's usually like a blue color or it might be a blackish gray looking color and it's translucent. um, So you can see through it. But what it does is it reduces the amount of UV light that comes in through your windshield and a UV filter does the same thing. Now, I don't personally recommend UV filters to anyone for photography or the, uh, the simple clear glass filters. I just don't recommend either one. Now, some people will say, oh, I'll put a cheap UV filter or a clear glass filter on the front of your lens because it'll protect your lens element. You know, if you bang your lens up against a tree or something when you're out hiking, there's less chance you'll damage the glass elements on the front. But a thing to keep in mind, and this is why I don't recommend them, is let's say you have one of these uv filters or clear glass filters on your front of your lens and you're walking through the woods and you do bang the lens against a tree chances are that metal ring that holds that filter element that lens filter element in place and attaches it to the front of your lens is going to suffer damage I mean it is metal but it's not super high strength it's extremely thin and lightweight metal probably aluminum or something like that and there's a good chance you're gonna ding it bad enough that guess what now you've got that filter stuck on the front of your lens because you're not going to be able to unscrew it if it takes enough damage it's going to be pretty much permanently stuck on the front of your lens And then you're kind of pickled you're gonna have to send your lens off to the manufacturer to see if they can get it off if they can't get it off they might have to take your lens apart replace the front element assembly and that's gonna cost you some money what I recommend is if you want to protect the front of your lenses especially the glass element you're better off going with a lens hood. Those are made for a reason. A lot of people say that they're made strictly for preventing errant sunlight from hitting your lens and causing lens flaring, which they do, but they're also a good way to protect that valuable front element and your expensive lens to begin with. Uh, Now, the manufacturer's lens hoods can be pretty pricey, Um, If you buy Canon's L-series lenses, or what's known as their luxury lenses, they'll generally give you the lens hood for free with your lens. With the less expensive lenses like their gold band and silver band lenses and their green band tilt shift lenses, they frequently don't give you a lens hood with it, but they do make them. You just have to buy them separately. Now, the downside is, is being the lens hoods are made by Canon or it could be Nikon, depending on who, you know, what camera system you have, those plastic lens hoods can be really, really expensive. I've seen some as high as $50 and $60 from the manufacturer for just a simple piece of plastic that protects your front element. Uh, the good news is you can also look for third-party manufactured lens hoods on places like Amazon or eBay. Now, again, I would recommend you stay away from the kinds of lens hoods that screw into the filter threads because, again, you don't want to end up in a situation where it is stuck uh, because you whacked it good and now you can't unscrew it from the filter threads. I recommend that you get the type of lens hood that attaches using the little bayonet track on the front of your lens which most lenses have they'll have some sort of groove track where you slide on the lens hood and then you twist it a quarter turn or whatever and it locks it into place that's your best bet and that way as you're hiking through the woods if you whack that lens against a tree as you're hiking um most that'll happen is your lens hood will take the damage maybe the plastic will crack or something like that but at least your lens will survive especially if it's not a, a cheap lens hood that screws into your filter threads on the front of the lens remember to check out the liam photography podcast facebook group it is a private group and you must answer a security question to join which is named the host of the show myself liam And I've also opened it up to allow you to give the name of a previous guest that has been on the show to show that you're a listener. Once you're in the group, you're free to post your own original work. If you would like creative critique on your images, you can post them with the comment, CC please, and myself or another pro in the group would be happy to give you some pointers. Additionally, I am the admin of the Fujifilm GFX 50R group, which is the largest group for the 50R on Facebook. If you own or plan to own the 50R, you can request to join that group as well. You can find my work at liamphotography.net and follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at liamphotoatl. If you like abandoned buildings and history, you can find my project at forgottenpiecesofgeorgia.com. Remember, the first book goes on sale November 9, 2020, so keep checking for updates about media appearances and book signings. Okay, now one last thing I wanted to throw in about why I don't recommend UV filters is they also tend to add unknown or unwanted uh, qualities to your images, and nobody wants that. You don't want some weird ghosting going on or some weird flaring going on because you used a low-quality UV filter, and it just creates some weirdness in your images. And I, I've had people tell me that they've had that happen. They didn't listen to the recommendation to stay away from UV filters. They put one on their lens. They go out shooting all day. And then when they go to post-process their images, they don't look right. And I'm like, well, take the filter back off, do a test shot, and see if it doesn't look better. And it generally always does. So I don't recommend the clear glass or the UV filters. The clear glass ones would be okay, except they could get scratched. And then all of a sudden, you got scratches in your images that you got to try to get out. Um, so like I said, if you want to protect the front element and the front assembly of your lens as you're hiking or something like that, just put a lens hood on it and be done with it. All right. If you have any comments or questions about this topic, you can feel free to leave them in these, in this episode, and I will see you again in another seven days.